morning everyone and it is so good to have you here today on our 200th anniversary. It's hard to believe isn't it that uh, the gospel has been preached for 200 years in this spot, the very spot in which you are sat. People have sat for 200 years. Where I stand now, or probably perhaps a little bit over to my right, would have been the place where William Docker preached his first sermon. And it's an incredible uh, thing to celebrate, isn't it? 200 years of a church. And uh, we look back uh, a couple of months ago, we look back at our history, we celebrated that, and we want to continue to celebrate that because all that we are today is built on the shoulders of those who went before us. They are the people to, to whom we are grateful for that we have a church that we have today. A church that is gospel-centered, a church that is seeking the power of the Holy Spirit, a church that here, right at the center of Southport, still has a heart for the whole of Southport. That's what we celebrate here today. And with the, you know, the other night, on Friday night, we gathered together to pray and to start to think about the future, to start to think about, well, what's the next 200 years look like? None of us would be around to know, but what we do today, others will build on. Very few of us kind of think about that, do we? We, we get stuck doing what we, we always do and think about the present, but what we do today matters because those who will follow us will build on what we do. And unless we are centered in prayer, then they are building on sand. And we all know what that means in this town, don't we? So we celebrate today. And I wanted to use Psalm 95 because uh, I know that on the very first Sunday, not on the day of consecration, but on the very first Sunday, William Docker, the very first vicar, preached from Psalm 95. And what a great psalm to use on the very first Sunday because it is a psalm filled with the joy of worship. Just listen to those very first verses. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. What they did was an incredible feat. In a very short space of time, over, over 12 months, they both raised the money and built the building. That is an incredibly significant event, isn't it? To have done it so quickly, and you can imagine on that day, this, this space filled with worshippers just thanking God for his goodness. When they met a year before, it was in the November of 20, uh, 1820, I got that right, 1820. Uh, I wonder if they really believed that they'd be a year later worshipping God in their own building. And yet that is what they did. That's what William Docker initiated. And if, if, as they gathered, they would have been filled with the joy of God's goodness. They'd have been thanking God for his grace, for his provision. And you can imagine it would have been an incredible time to have been there. I'm not entirely sure how good the music was, because only a couple of years later, uh, it was written this. Um, someone came to visit Christ Church in 1823 and said, the music was a villainous compound of bad sounds. Twas no music of the spheres, no choir cherubim, but a discordant harmony of mortal melody. Fortunately, we seem to have improved a little bit since then. 
But it doesn't matter what the band were like at that time, because it would have been a band, it was not an organ. It was what was in people's hearts. They worshipped their God, who'd been so good to them. And today that's what we do as well, isn't it? We worship God because we recognise he's been so good to us. And the psalm says so much to us. What I do know what, about what William Docker said on the psalm is he focused on one verse. That was verse 6. So I just want to focus on that too. And verse 6 starts where verse 1 starts, with an invitation. Come. Come and worship. And that is at the very heart of all worship, isn't it? You know, we are first and foremost called to be worshippers. And in doing so, call others to worship. God invites us into a place where we see him as someone who we love and adore and in awe of. And he invites us to worship him. He doesn't force it upon us. We are not compelled to do it. We do it because it is an expression of our heartfelt love for God. Come, he says. Come and worship me. It's a great place to start, that gentle invitation. And you see, worship always calls us to move. Calls us to move from one place to a deeper place with God. Worship always calls us to, to move our hearts to be warmer towards God. Worship is always a movement. We sometimes think of worship as something that is static and stationary and never evolves. And yet just our, our, our little understanding of our 200 year history helped us see just how much our worship has evolved over those 200 years. And so it should be for each of us personally that every day we are moving and growing in our worship, that we are seeing God for who he truly is and lifting up our praise and thanksgiving and worship to him. It involves movement. There is nothing static about worship. It is a dynamic activity, an activity of movement. Come, he says, he invites us deeper into a relationship with him. And for those who are here today, for those who are watching online, if you are not yet at that place of knowing Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, he invites you to come. He doesn't force you, just a gentle, loving invitation. Come and worship me. See me as I am. And let your heart overflow in worship. What does the rest of verse 6 say? Well, it moves on and says, Come, let us bow down in worship and kneel before the Lord our Maker. There are actually three movements here. There is bow down, there is worship, which in Hebrew means to prostrate yourself, to lie before, and there is to kneel. Three movements of worship that all say the same thing. They point us to the Lordship of God in our lives. You will only bow or kneel before royalty. 
And he is, as we heard in those first, first verses, the king of all things. He is our Lord and our king. And the one thing I really want to focus on today is that aspect of the lordship of God. His lordship in our lives, calling us to be obedient and dependent upon him. And that's expressed in our worship. See, worship is the laying down of our lives, first and foremost. It's not singing great songs. It's not worshipping together like this. It is coming before God and each of us individually and corporately together saying, yes, Jesus, you are our King. You are our Lord. There is no one above you. You are the one to whom we will be obedient. You are the one to whom on whom we will be dependent. You are the one who we will follow and we will follow no one else. We are called to live a life of total obedience to our Lord. And as we've looked back over these 200 years, we've seen how, how they struggled with that over different points. As they sought to proclaim the goodness of God in this town. And how different things happened at different points that often threatened to overwhelm them, sidetrack them, but they kept coming back to it. You see, no church is perfect, is it? No church has God completely 100% as their Lord. We will all have to work at this. And as we look to the future now, as we start to think about what's to come, we need to start here that Jesus is Lord. We start with our total obedience to him. One of the funny things of um, uh, what we did as we looked at our history was seeing some of the, the issues of complaints and some of the letters of complaint. And it's like church has always been like that, hasn't it? But you know, church, if Jesus is Lord, then we must be prepared to lay down our own preferences, our own agenda, our own desire, and only seek what he wants for our church. And we only find that out together as we discuss, as we debate, as we think things through, as we pray and pray and pray. For he's the Lord. He's the Lord of this church. And we cannot always try to impose our, our, our own thinking, our own desires, our own motives, our own preferences upon other people. We can only try as best as we can to discern the will of God and be obedient to that. That is our task as the people of God here at Christ Church. As we seek to be a, a church that reaches out to this amazing town that we live in, we have to first and foremost seek the will of God and do what he calls us to do. And that's why, in the very next verse, the psalmist says this. He says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah. Do not harden your hearts if you hear his voice. 
You know, over these last weeks when we've looked at other psalms, when we looked at the psalms were sent, it, it was interesting to me, and I'm sure it was to you, that time and time again the same thing kept coming up. Put God first. Do what he says. And that was no plan as we led up to this. I couldn't even remember when we planned this what the, the verse was that William Docker preached on. It feels like God's saying something to us. He's calling us to be an obedient church first and foremost. To seek out his voice and then to not harden our hearts because what he says is sometimes something that we don't want to do or don't like. That's the danger, isn't it, when we start to listen to God? That he sometimes calls us into uncomfortable places, into difficult places. Sometimes he calls us into places where we'd rather not be or do things we'd rather not do. But he says, do not harden your hearts because he is our Lord and we're called to obey are called to obey. You know, the, the problem for most of us is we don't actually believe that God wants the best for us. That was a problem for the Israelites. So although the, this psalm is referring to a very specific incident when the people of God rebelled, their original rebellion was to not go into the promised land. The promised land that God was giving them, the promised land that God had offered them freely on the plate, and they refused to go in. They didn't like the odds that seemed to be stacked against them. They looked at those who were in that land, and they thought they were too strong, and they didn't fancy the battle. It was going to be difficult, and there'd be suffering, and they didn't want that, and so they rebelled against God. That's where they really hardened their heart. And that should never happen to us, because what we actually see in Scripture is that when they did enter the land, even though the odds were stacked against them, God granted them victory. God was with them. And so they enter and conquered the land and it became theirs. But that was 40 years later. See, when God calls us into something, it might be difficult, it might be hard, but it's always good for us. And I've got no idea what God's going to call us as Christ Church to in these next years. But I do so knowing that he is a good God and only wants the best for us. I do know that some of what he says to us is going to be hard and difficult and uncomfortable. And he's going to ask us to step out of those little places, those little bubbles of comfort that we all live in. He's going to ask us to step out of them for his sake and also for the sake of those who don't know him. I love the fact that uh, in this psalm, it goes from talking about the Lord as the maker of all things, but he's also the shepherd who guides the flock, who leads his people from one place to another and keeps them safe. As I think about our future as Christ Church, as I think about what these next years, and I'm not thinking about the next 200, I'm just thinking about maybe five, that's as far as my mind can go. 
as I think about these next years, I am truly excited about what God is going to do. I'm excited about what he might say to us. I'm excited because I look outside of these walls and I see, I see people who are now desperate for some good news. People who are desperate to meet with Jesus, to encounter something that will give them life and hope and purpose. I'm excited because I know the power of God to meet that need because he met it in me and he's met it in you. I don't know what God is going to call us to do, but I hope and pray that you're excited about it. I hope and pray that you are listening for his voice and today, if you hear his voice, no matter what he says, don't harden your heart, but trust in him. Trust in him who was the good shepherd. Trust in him who led his people into the promised land against all the odds. Trust in him who calls us to total obedience. Not because it's good for him, but because it's good for us. That's what he calls us to. That's what we should get excited about, because when we are totally obedient to him, when we lay aside our own preferences and our own desires, then anything can happen. Anything will have if we truly make him Lord. I was with uh, a long-time friend last week. Uh, she's actually someone I've spoken about a lot because she is someone who prophetically has spoken into my life a number of times. And I've kept hold of those prophecies. And they've been prophecies that have sustained me in the most difficult of times. And when I went to see Dora, it was because she's been told she hasn't got very long to live. She has cancer and the prognosis is not good. She's got months if she's lucky. And it's fascinating that Andrew and I went to see her. The very first word she said to us was, Steve, I'm so excited, I'm going to see Jesus. That's the kind of person that Dora is. She's just sold out for Jesus. And Dora, she, she watches things. Like every good prophet, she watches and observes. And she was telling me, because she only does, ever does tell you things, uh, she was telling me what she wanted for her funeral. I said, Steve, I want you to tell people the good news. Give them the gospel. And don't hold back. Don't be afraid. And then she said this, she said, I look at churches now, churches I've been associated with, and they are nothing more than social clubs. They've forgotten what the gospel is. They become inward looking and irrelevant. And when Dora starts to speak like that, I always listen because there is always something of the voice of God in her. See, when you take out the Lordship of Christ, that's what happens. We become a social club. When you put Jesus as Lord right at the center of church, right at the center of our personal lives, when we hear his voice and don't harden our hearts and are obedient to him, 
then everything changes. And yes, we will always have great relationships. We should love one another. But we're not a social group. And yes, we should be a people who are helping others out there, but we're not a relief agency. And yes, we should provide space for, for the people of this town to come and use it for all sorts of great things, but we're not a conference centre. What we are is church. And what church is, is a group of people who have centered the whole of their lives around Jesus and are living exclusively and only for him. And doing it together as a new community with Jesus at the center. That is the Lordship of Christ in us. He changes us from being simply some kind of club into church. Church is it's meant to be. And as we step out into these next however many hundred years of, the, of Christ church until Jesus comes back, we need to ensure that what the people who follow us build on is a church that is focused and centered on Jesus. I didn't want to come here today and give you a vision of the future. I just wanted to give you a the idea of what church is and that, that needs to be, it needs to be focused on Jesus and not us. That we put Jesus first. That he goes from being simply our saviour and our friend to being truly Lord. And that is my challenge to each of you individually today, whether you are here in the building or watching online. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Are you listening for his voice and doing what he says? Not hardening your heart against it, but seeking to become completely obedient to him. That is my challenge to you today. That's my challenge for me today. That's my challenge for all of us as we seek to be a new community. That we are a people with Jesus right at the center. Should we pray together? Lord Jesus, I thank you that when you saved us, it wasn't simply so that we could go to heaven. It was so that we could be a people who are a new community with Jesus at the centre. Help us, Lord, to be a people who hear your voice and do what you say. Help us to be a people who, who avoid being a social club or a relief agency. Not because those things are bad, they are good things, but we want to be a people who put you first. And then out of that, allow all the other things to spring. And Lord, I pray that for each and every one of us here today, that you be right at the centre of our lives. In Jesus' name.